News Network. A sitting president admits his actions are unconstitutional, but says while it's being litigated, we're going to go ahead and do it anyway. This is the man sworn to uphold and defend the Constitution. It's time for some pushback. And that starts with the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network, spells it out. And with today's Chalk Talk, Dan Newman. Good morning, everybody. Happy brand new week. You realize Thanksgiving's next week? Oh my goodness, this year has just flown by in comparison to the previous year when we were all locked down inside and the days and the calendar was just crawling and seemed like we'd never get through a week. Well, we did. You got through last week. We're going to start this new one together. We've got some business that we've got to take care of here today. First of all, let me say thank you so much for all of you. I could not believe when we we monitored the volume of listeners that we have on this show. And of course, we've told you before that while the show is live, it's going on, uh, we can pull up a world map and we can actually see how many people are listening where, whatever country, whatever city in the United States or even in uh, other parts of North America and South America and Europe. We follow that. But we also follow the number of people who are reading our stories. Now, as you know, usually on Sundays, unless something really gargantuan happens over the weekend, we take the day to just collect ourselves and get set, get a big Monday lined up, and we very seldom post a story on Monday, uh, excuse me, on Sunday. What we did yesterday, we had 867,000 people go at truthnewsnet.org. We didn't have a story up yesterday. So I'm sure it was some folks that are uh, regulars on our Saturday bullet points where you can catch up on the biggest stories from the previous week. Saturday was a busy day for a lot of folks, so maybe they just waited. But folks, we had 690,000 people read the bullet points and other stories published at truthnewsnet.org. Already this morning, I just looked a moment ago, we've already had a million people log into the site. Over a million. A lot of it has to do with today's story. And let me tell you what we're going to do. We introduced something brand new this morning. And if you've read the story, you got the first paragraph. It's not about the story. It's about something brand new at TNN Live and at Truth News Network. And I'll just read what's at the top of the story. We start a new feature today. Our biggest stories will always appear here in writing. Additionally, however, for those of the most important stories, we're going to add an audible version of each. How's it going to work? Well, at the very top of these big stories every day, there will be an icon, our famous blue circle with a blue arrow inside that you and every Saturday bullet points. That link appears after the words audible version when we do these big story audible and it's me doing the story and nothing else. So what that, what's that about? Well, a lot of people would rather hear than read some of these really big stories. So all you have to do is when you log in every day, if, uh, if there's an audible version right at the top of the story, you'll see that arrow and then a link beside it to click on to go to it. And today, that audible version is there. So I'm not going to go, we're not going to do the whole story. It's a very lengthy story. Um, I just want to give you some of the highlights to tease you to go 
listen later on or read the story if you haven't already. Today's story title is It's Time You Know Who Anthony Fauci Really Is. So we've, we've told you, we've done exposés in the past about Anthony Fauci. Um, sadly, not sadly, it's really, and I, I, I apologize for even saying sadly because it's truthful. You know who Robert Kennedy Jr. is. He's the son of Bobby Kennedy, the youngest brother of President John F. Kennedy. And uh, he was assassinated. Well, his son is a, um, he's an attorney. He is a conservative in most ways and is very vocal and been an investigator and has been right in the middle of a bunch of the medical stuff for the last 30 years. He knows Dr. Anthony Fauci very well, and he's covered his Fauci's um, career exhaustively. And he's got a book that is coming out right now that I want to tell you. We took this story today in part from Kennedy's book. The title of it, The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health. Folks, it's a must read. This story today, it's a 4,000 page story. It's a compilation of an interview between Dr. Robert McCullough and uh, Kennedy, Robert Kennedy Jr. And then, of course, we add some stuff in. But the facts and the numbers that are all documented and the information of how this all began, this being these crazy pandemic scares that we've been having the entirety of this century already. It's like every three or four years we have another one. This is not happening in nature, folks. It's being weaponized and mechanically organized and structured. And we revealed the sources of it all and exactly what's what in this, quote, pandemic that we're living in. And so here's, here's what I want to, um, I want to go to just this one section. Let me, let me just slip on down here. I'm trying to find a segment that I can give to you that taken out of the context of the story, you'll still be able to get the meat of it so that you can uh, keep going. Oh my gosh, every part in it is good. So, between 2009 and 2016, and this is just a segment from the, sh- from the story, between 2009 and 2016, about 230 drugs were approved by the FDA, all of which came, by the way, through Anthony Fauci's uh, investigation, research, and clinical trial. We'll call it his shop. Every one of these, 230. So, he has become an incubator for Big Pharma. And here's how he does it. At his lab, and of course that's a taxpayer-paid lab, we fund it. It's part of the National Institutes of Health. So, at his lab, Fauci has Petri dishes that are filled with every virus imaginable. And he has scientists that are messing around with different molecules and different poisons. And they'll drop those poisons into a Petri dish just to see if it kills the culture. If it kills the culture, ha ha ha, 
I have a potential antiviral drug. What do they do next? Well, the next step, they give it to rats to see if it kills the rats. If most of the rats live, now you have a potential antiviral that may work in humans. Got to find out, right? Then he farms it out to a big university. Now, the person it goes to at that university is pretty much always a very powerful person. It's the dean of the medical school or the chair of one of the departments, and they run those first round of clinical trials, which is extremely lucrative. Listen to this. So they'll do the phase one trial. They'll recruit maybe 100 people for the trial, and you've even heard some of the radio ads looking for people to participate in a study, and you get paid for it. It's one of Fauci's folks. Fauci gives that principal investigator at that university $20,000 per recruit. The university skims off from 50 to 75% of that. So now the university is hooked into the Fauci system. What happens if the drug works in phase one or phase two? Well, then they have to bring in big groups of people, 10,000 people. Then you're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars. And they got to bring a pharmaceutical company, got to bring them into the picture that now takes control of half of the patent on that drug that comes out of those phase one, phase two, and then the big groups. When they're ready to go to market, Big Pharma, who has funded the entire thing through Fauci's organization, Division of National Institutes of Health. You know, that organization that we fund. Tony Fauci's agency keeps a share of the patent. Let me give you an example. Right now, today, the NIAID, that's his abbreviation for his entity that's a sub of National Institutes of Health. The NIAID gets half of the royalties of the Moderna vaccine. Half. That's billions of dollars. The university researcher who did the clinical trials keeps some of the ownership of the patent. So he is now, whoever that is, permanently attached to Tony Fauci, and he's going to do anything that Fauci says. The university itself is getting some of the patent. So it's hundreds of millions of dollars that are going to these universities every year, in addition to the grants that Fauci is giving through the NIAID. And so he holds all the power. Why is that? He can cut all that money off. If somebody at the university does the wrong study or doesn't do what they're told to do. So once the drug goes through phase three, it goes to the FDA. Fauci tells the FDA, well, those are independent scientists at FDA. The panel, the approval panel, is called VRBPAC. That's Vaccines and Related Biological Products Advisory Committee. You hear about them all the time. They're not, folks, people who work for the FDA. They're outside. They're brought in. Yeah, they're independent, but where are they brought in from? 
They're Tony Fauci's principal investigators from all those universities that are working on his other projects, and they're brought in to just rubber stamp the drug, and they okay it, and they give it a license. You know why? Because they know that next year, their drug is going to be in front of that same committee, and they're going to want the committee to rubber stamp them. This committee never says no. It always greenlights everything, and it's completely controlled by Anthony Fauci, the entire process. Every expert you see on CNN is on Fauci's payroll. CNN will never tell you that. It will say, this is an independent virologist. He's an immunologist at Baylor University or Stanford or Harvard. They're not telling you where that guy's bread is being buttered and that the person who's buttering the bread is Tony Fauci, and he's doing it with our taxpayer dollars. The whole system is just fixed. I'm just going to stop there in this story. You've got to read it. Truthnewsnet.org, front page today. And again, the title of our story today is It's Time You Know Who Anthony Fauci Really Is. And if you don't have time to read it, it's a 4,000-word story. That audible version's at the top of it. Just click on it. Put your earbuds in at the desk at your office and listen to it. You can read it or listen to it. They're identical. But you've got to go there. It's incredible. And it's all sourced in the book. It's all documented. This is no conspiracy, folks. And what you're going to find out is this whole plan that we're living through right now with the pandemic that Fauci controls, he started it in the 1980s. It's a blockbuster. It's a blockbuster. I just can't tell you how important this is for us all. Why is it such a big deal? we got to just stick to the facts. We've got to find ways to get the facts. And we have a right. We have indeed not a right, but an obligation, folks, to investigate everything, especially when it has to do with the health, our health, and the health of our kids. You are going to find out when you read this story or listen to it, you're going to find out how dangerous is what's happening right now regarding this unbelievable pressure being put on parents across the nation to have their children vaccinated. How dangerous it is, but let me tell you, we exposed at the bottom of this story today exactly why. I'm going to go ahead and tell you why. You know what the big deal is about getting our kids vaccinated? It's about the money and nothing else. And it's not just the money they get from selling the vaccines exclusively to our government for us to distribute at taxpayer expense. That's not what it's just about. It's about getting getting the vaccine, the Pfizer vaccine, getting it on the CDC's list of requirements for kids to be vaccinated with. You know what the big drama is about that? You remember we've told you here and before that you heard the FDA has approved Pfizer's BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. They didn't. They didn't. What's the big deal about 
telling us that? They don't want it to be approved. What they have right now, folks, and this story reveals the exact dollars and cents that they've made and how much money you and I have spent with them, when any medication is approved temporarily and given emergency use authorization only by the FDA, the federal government indemnifies that drug company or whatever drug company it is from any liability, from any horrible things that happen to people because of the vaccination, including death. They have no liability. Now, let me just tell you this, and we reveal this in the story. There is a vaccine that was produced by Pfizer that has been fully approved by the FDA, Comirnaty. But they told us Pfizer's BioNTech had been approved. And you know how they justify it in the FDA status, the letter that they put out, the notification that says Pfizer vaccine approved. They say, we think Comirnaty and BioNTech can be used interchangeably. Comirnaty is not even available in the United States. In fact, if you go to Pfizer's website and look for the section on Comirnaty, there's a disclaimer there. It says this, quote, we do not make Comirnaty available in the United States. You can't get it if you ask for it. So what's the big deal about that? They want, they want to remain in emergency use authorization only because the federal government covers their butts from one little bitty possible bit of liability from what's happening regarding adverse events, the effects of these vaccines. You got any question about it, folks? Follow the money, follow the money. So enough with that one. Let's move on. There's a lot of other big stuff happening. It, it, it just seems like it's piling up and it gets big by 9, 10 a.m. every morning and continues to go crazy. We just got to keep our fingers on the pulse of what really is real and what we need to fret with if we need to fret with anything. A blockbuster came out at the end of last week. This just blows my mind. We, from time to time here at Truth News Network, we will give you an audio, uh, a report about something that Project Veritas has uncovered. They are a private company, private organization, and what they're about, folks, is exposing evil doing in big companies, especially big companies that have a direct or indirect uh, ties to the U.S. government. And I mean, they expose all kinds of things. And they do it by very surreptitiously getting employees within these companies on record talking about some of the very questionable things that the American public know about but haven't been proven, you know, like uh, selling baby parts, body parts, uh, parent, Planned Parenthood, abortion, all those kind of things. That's just one. But of course, now the big 900-pound gorilla in the room is everything to do with COVID-19. So obviously, Project Veritas and the exposure business, um, <laughs> they hackle a lot of people. And unfortunately for people on the left, and I'm talking about people in the big media, also big corporate, major corporations, 
a lot of the stuff that goes on within their organizations are being exposed from the inside through information that comes through Project Veritas. And one of those monsters is the New York Times. The New York Times reported on numerous occasions trying to expose Project Veritas and its big guy at Project Veritas, James O'Keefe. So listen to what happened. Now, Project Veritas decided after they'd been kicked around by the so-called biggest newspaper in America, the New York Times, over and over and over again, Project Veritas filed a defamation suit against the New York Times. Now, think about taking on that monster. So the FBI, guess what they decided to do? They raided James O'Keefe's home in New York on Saturday, last Saturday. And they were looking for clues in the alleged theft of a diary that belonged to Ashley Biden, the daughter of President Joe Biden. Now, Project Veritas claimed that it had obtained the diary legally back in 2020, but they decided not to use it, and they turned it over to law enforcement instead. Now, with all that being factual, still, the FBI raided O'Keefe's home before dawn on November 6th, handcuffed him in his underwear while they were searching through his belongings. Constitutional scholar Jonathan Turley wrote this on the 7th, a week ago. Regardless of how one feels about Project Veritas, there should be calls from media outlets for some answers to these basic questions. Likewise, Congress should be seeking such answers as part of its oversight responsibility. But the establishment media were slow to speak out, with the first condemnation only appearing in Politico. Yesterday, the ACLU, they warned against the potential consequences of the Justice Department's recent raids of Project Veritas founder, James O'Keefe. So we reached out to a really, really good lawyer, Harmit Dillon. You've seen her on Fox News. She's a contributor. Well, to try to give us the real inside scoop on this, Fox's Tucker Carlson had Harmie Dillon on to explain it. Here's the lowdown from Tucker Carlson with Harmit Dillon. Well, our client James O'Keefe's home was raided on Sunday, on Saturday morning by the FBI. They had a battering ram and they threw him out in the hallway and took, you know, in handcuffs and took his phones. Now, a lot of privileged information was on his phones, including communications with, by my count, four dozen different lawyers over the years. And coincidentally, this, this publication came out this afternoon from the New York Times. Now, I can't say with a certainty how the New York Times got this information, but I can say that they got it in a way that is illegal and unethical. And so we have to ask that question. And so, you know, what we have right now is a very disturbing situation of the U.S. Attorney's Office and or the FBI tipping off the New York Times to each of the raids on Project Veritas's current and former employees last week. We know that because minutes after these raids occurred, they got calls from the New York Times, which is the only journalism outlet that knew about it. And they published this hit piece today, which is really despicable. I don't think I've ever seen this low from the New York Times before to publish people's private legal communications. And by the way, 
What does it prove, New York Times? All it proves is that Project Veritas is an honest and thoughtful journalistic organization that sought legal advice before making various publications. That's what that's Fox News does. That's what the New York Times does. And that's what every major journalism outlet does. So I don't know what gotcha they think they were doing there other than they got themselves because they criticized Project Veritas for its tactics and yet they sink so low, Tucker. We know for a fact the Biden administration leaks confidential information about its critics to news outlets. They did it to me personally, so I know for a fact that they do it. Is there any way to catch them in the act of doing this, which I think would be a crime? Well, the first thing that we have done in response to the seizure of our clients' telephones that include not just the legal information that I just mentioned, but also confidential source information, including sources in the Biden administration and in corporate America, and including donor information, which is also protected by the First Amendment. So you have multiple First Amendment issues here. We went to the court and asked the court to order a special master to review this information and not let the Southern District of New York prosecutors and the FBI look at it without somebody separating out this information. The government would not agree to do that voluntarily, but we went to court and today a federal judge did order the government to stop looking at these phones. So ultimately we're going to get some answers as to what was reviewed and what they did with it. It, will may, it may be a long time, but we may never know what they've done. The government still hasn't admitted on your situation, Tucker, that they uh, did something illegal. I think they did and you think they did. And there's a lot of this going on. The DOJ has specific regulations about this. There's also a federal statute called the Privacy Protection Act that protects journalists and their information from exactly this type of thuggish behavior That's that the right. DOJ has done in this case. And they have blown federal law, they've blown the Constitution, they've blown due process and civil rights, and now they're sleazily communicating at some level for sure with the New York Times. So this is a scandal of epic proportions, and every journalist who isn't worried and concerned about this should hang up their journalism card. Ditto all First Amendment lawyers as well. Yeah, and here's the New York Times participating in the defense of the regime it's supposed to be covering. I mean, it's the deepest level of corruption. Harmeet Dillon, great to see you tonight. Thank you for this. Thank you, Tucker. You do understand what the implications for what you just heard about. In a nutshell, here it is. Project Veritas steps on toes. They revealed some really ugly stuff that came from the inside, a whistleblower at the New York Times, Project Veritas. They found it, they put the interview up up live, and New York Times was very, very embarrassed. They were exposed for some egregious wrongdoing. So they're mad at Project Veritas. So somebody in the Biden administration, in the Department of Justice, they decided they needed to stop Project Veritas. So what are they going to do? Well, obviously, we don't know factually, but you can imagine this would be the only explanation that is realistic. The Department of Justice got involved in it, and they just decided to go bust James O'Keefe, just make him look bad. And then, of course, within minutes of that happening, the New York Times has the story about the FBI just went in and they got James O'Keefe in his underwear, put him out in the hallway while they were trashing his house, stealing cell phones and all kinds of private information, had him handcuffed. And of course, CNN was there. Sound familiar? Every one of you need to understand what's at stake here. If you thought even one little bit 
that this government, this group of power brokers in Washington, D.C. that have unilateral power right now, I'm talking about the Democrat Party, past and present, if you thought they were going to do what is good and just let the voices of the people make these decisions, when you look at what happened in Virginia, the message that came out, when you look at the approval ratings for the president and vice president that are in the tank, do you think these power junkies there that have control of big media, obviously, that they were going to just sit idly by and let what they have torn apart get put back together again? You know, that thing, government of, government by, and government for the people. They've all but obliterated that. They are not going to go down peacefully. And this is an example of the measures that they are willing to go to to cover their rear ends and make sure the truth stays buried as long as they can. But even if it's out there, folks, they control all the messaging. And look what happened. Once again, just as happened at the end of the Obama-Biden administration, here comes the Department of Justice and the FBI, and they go after private citizens with no cause. And they stage it. It becomes a planned expose to try to diminish those who dare reach out, tell the truth, show the truth about the egregious things that are happening. We live in a dangerous world. Now let's jump back into vaccine world, COVID vaccine. I I guess you probably heard this. Maybe you didn't hear about it. The CDC has now admitted it has no record of an unvaccinated person spreading COVID after having previously recovered from the virus. In other words, the national, uh, the natural immunity thing that Anthony Fauci touted the first four, five, six months of our pandemic telling us all, well, we'll get herd immunity. We'll get natural immunity. That's the best kind. And when we get it, we'll be able to Maybe even before we get the vaccines, we'll be able to spread it out and kill this thing. He explained that again and again and again until it came time for the vaccines to come out. And then all of a sudden, none of the so-called medical experts, the bureaucratic Democrat medical experts, oh no, natural immunity, it doesn't work. And guess what we found out? We reported here weeks ago coming out of Israel. Isn't it odd that the best place we get our information about our own health care, the truth, is coming out of Israel? A report came out of Israel. We gave it here to you week before last. And non-vaccinated human being that gets COVID and recovers from it is 27 times more likely to not spread COVID-19 after that than our people who have been vaccinated. So what does that mean, Dan? Put it in a nutshell. Real simple. You remember President Biden's, this is a pandemic of the unvaccinated? Patently false. In fact, the actual truth to that is 27 times more truthful 
than Anthony Fauci, Joe Biden, any of the other experts have been pushing and shoving. And by the way, they've been pushing and shoving with whom and by whom? MSNBC, CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC News, Washington Post, New York Times, Los Angeles Times. They're pushing it and they have the mouthpiece, they have the bullhorn, the biggest ones on earth, They have the bully White House to push out any information that they just want to push out. They don't care if it's true or not. It feeds their narrative, their perspective, and they've got to get that out there and keep us all dumbed down and sheeple. That's what they want us to be. Now, this admission about the CDC admitting No record of unvaxxed people spreading COVID. The admission came in response to a FOIA request. Isn't it interesting? We have to go in and uncover things for the experts. And we uncover them from the experts. A New York attorney asked the CDC to provide documents reflecting any documented case of an individual who never received a COVID vax was infected with COVID once and recovered and then later became infected again and transmitted COVID-2 to another person when reinfected. That's what Anthony Fauci has been screaming. You've got to get vaccinated. Unvaccinated people are spreading this willy-nilly. They're going to kill us all. So here's what the CDC said in, in response to that Freedom of Information Act request. A search of its records failed to reveal any documents pertaining to that attorney's request. The CDC Emergency Operations Center conveyed that this information is not collected. Well, that makes you ask this question. If you don't have that information, why is Anthony Fauci, who runs you, basically, why has he been out there for months saying exactly opposite And quoting the CDC, we know this. This bombshell revelation comes on the heels of a wave of scientific data that has shown natural immunity is extremely robust at preventing COVID reinfection. In studies from the Washington University of School of Medicine in St. Louis, Emory University, the Cleveland Clinic, and others, They've all found natural immunity to be incredibly strong months and even a year after infection. At the same time, we're being told by the CDC, the efficacy of the three vaccines now are below 50%. In other words, folks, natural immunity, recovering naturally, is, as the Israelis told us weeks ago, 27 times more effective than getting immunity from a vaccine. A preprint study conducted by researchers from Maccabi Healthcare and Tel Aviv University, that's in Israel, of course. It's not been peer-reviewed yet, but it has been shown to use more accurate methodology than the CDC's. That study found that people with natural immunity to COVID 27 times more likely to contract the respiratory virus than those who were solely jabbed with a Pfizer-BioNTech shot. 
Natural immunity confers longer and stronger protection against infection, symptomatic disease, and hospitalization caused by the Delta variant compared to the BioNTech two-dose vaccine. Individuals who were both previously infected and given a single dose of the vaccine gained additional protection against the Delta variant. But there's not a single case of a person that did not take a vaccine getting COVID-19 and recovering naturally. There's not a single case of them causing an infection in anybody else. And yet, the experts, the political experts from the president on down have been screaming, hollering, threatening unvaxxed Americans. You're killing us. And even this president said, we're not going to take it much longer. In other words, you're the reason, if you're unvaxxed, you're the reason people are getting COVID-19 when it's nothing like that. Facts are facts. You can try to couch them to fit into whatever you want them to fit in. But facts are pure. Unless they're manipulated information about them. And isn't it interesting? Every day it seems like more and more of this truth is getting out in the public and people are getting mad. I'm going to tell you what. I won't give names, but someone in my family has been bragging about extended family way out there that they've got their second grader and first grader, they got them vaccinated. And it just scares me. I'm so concerned because we don't have facts to justify that. Well, late last week, Europe's drug regulator confirmed it is investigating reports of a blood condition in recipients of Moderna's vaccine. Posted by the European Medicine Agency, EMA, it's reviewing six cases of capillary leak syndrome considered a very rare disorder after they reported in that UDRA vigilance database, which is the same thing as our, ours that's called VAERS. That report says at this stage it's not yet clear whether there's a causal association between vaccination and the reports of this capillary leak syndrome. Said these reports point to a safety signal, information on new or changes in adverse events that may potentially be associated with a medicine or a vaccine and that warrant further investigation. The CDC used to do that in the beginning of our pandemic with the VAERS report that came out every week. But then all of a sudden, the CDC said, you know what? We're not going to announce these VAERS numbers anymore. They'll just be lumped in with all of our other broad classifications. So as we promise you, we're going to do it right now. We do every week. The VAERS report is updated every Friday. And it comes, these numbers and information comes from the CDC. So the latest is they're always a week behind. This came out over the weekend. And these numbers are through November 5th, the previous Friday. These are adverse reactions to the vaccine. These are not reactions to getting COVID-19. These are strictly statistics from adverse reactions 
from the vaccinations. And it's also the numbers that are reported to the CDC, and they tell us the real numbers could be 3% to 100% more than the numbers that they report. So here we go. Through November 5th, from January 1 this year, 18,461 people have died. 91,982 have been hospitalized. 97,715 urgent care, 136,785 doctor office visits, 8,000 anaphylaxis, 11,000 Bell's palsy, 2,800 miscarriages, over 9,000 heart attacks, 12,000 myocarditis, pericarditis cases, 29,000 permanently disabled, 20,644 with additional life-threatening reactions, 33,259 severe allergic reactions. We're not getting the truth, folks. We're not getting the facts. Something stinks in all of this. And in the context of all vaccinations for any disease, virus or otherwise, adverse reactions that end up in deaths is just one little segment. The CDC began keeping this report, the VAERS report, 1991. From the beginning, 1991 till December 31st last year, deaths from all vaccines rolled in together. All of them. A little over 1,900 deaths. January through Friday a week ago, 18,461 deaths. Something's up. We're not being told the truth. In fact, we're being controlled. And therefore, they are booking on us just sitting quietly and letting them do their thing. So now the Department of Justice and their big brothers, the courts, have weighed in. And there's a lot of stuff that's going on in the court system, and it's only going to get bigger. We've got one that you've got to hear about. That's right after this break at TNN Live. The world tells you to wait. That waiting is polite. And good things will just come. But if I waited to be invited in, I never would have stood out. If I waited for change to happen, I never would have made a difference. So make the first move. Don't wait to be told your place. Take it. Don't wait for people to find you. Find them. In work. In love. In life. And most of all, don't wait to be given power. Because here's what they won't tell you. We already have it. Today on Hey Culligan, softer equals better. Here's a tweet from Ed Itchy in Idaho. Hey Culligan, my laundry is so scratchy, I just cut myself on a cable knit sweater. Any suggestions? Hashtag send help. Hey, Ed Itchy in Idaho. Yes, the Culligan high efficiency water softener will make that thing so soft, it'll go from cable knit to cable knot. 
itchy. Hashtag soft laundry. Hashtag already on the way. Get started for as little as $10 a month for six months at participating Culligan dealers. If you think we're just four wheels and a grill, think again. The Jeep Grand Cherokee redefines freedom. But what really makes Jeep? It's finding the perfect balance between luxury and adventure without ever compromising. It's driving across the country to see your family, to make new memories. So, what makes Jeep? You do. Jeep. There's only one. Jeep is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Separating fact from fiction. Arming you with the ammunition of liberty. The truth. On TNN, truthnewsnet.org. Won't believe this. Uh, you knew about it. We reported here last week about the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. They uh, they went toe-to-toe with the Department of Justice regarding the state of Texas's regulation law, whatever you want to call it, that was just passed that prevented any corporation from firing any employee because of their refusal for a vaccination. And when Texas did that, of course, the Department of Justice said, "Uh -uh." uh-uh, they stepped in and said, we filed a objection with a federal court, and so it was temporarily put on hold, the Texas pushback against the mandatory um, vaccines for private uh, corporations. Well, those judges down at the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals down in New Orleans, they kind of took that as a slap in the face. So three of those judges, they uh, they reaffirmed the court's stay on Biden's workplace vaccine mandate late Friday. So OSHA issued the rule, the, the one that is requiring businesses with at least 100 employees to mandate, uh, mandate vaccinations or implement frequent testing. And... Friday's decision comes after the Fifth Circuit issued a stay on the OSHA rule last Saturday. Well, the Justice Department just decided they were going to bow up. And um, that three-judge panel, they basically put Merrick Garland on notice. If you push on this, it's going to get ugly. So after Texas did their thing, at least 26 states initiated legal challenges against the mandate. This is pretty incredible. It's good to know that people are not just going to sit down and let this government just push over the top of us, violating all kinds of places in the Constitution. One hospital system that operates in 19 different states, the hospital system, has been blocked by a court from firing workers over a vaccine. Oklahoma was granted a temporary restraining order that blocks Ascension Healthcare from terminating employees who were denied religious exemptions from the COVID vaccine mandate. Oklahoma Attorney General John O'Connor had filed for a restraining order against the company's requirement on the night of November 12, three days ago. A Tulsa district judge granted his request. This evening, the Tulsa District Court granted the state's application for a TRO, Temporary Restraining Order in our case, to keep Ascension Healthcare from carrying out its plan to fire employees who were unfairly denied religious exemptions from their nationwide COVID-19 vax mandate. 
That's from the Attorney General. This is a win for religious freedom, and our office will continue to fight against unlawful religious discrimination. So some Ascension employees who worked during the pandemic, he said, they sought a religious exemption to the vaccine, but were unfairly denied. Healthcare heroes who sought a religious exemption on this and other sincerely held religious belief grounds have been flatly rejected by Ascension, O'Connor, A.G. O'Connor remarked. In doing so, Ascension committed religious discrimination against Oklahoma healthcare heroes who oppose abortion. So Ascension operates in 19 states and the District of Columbia and a bunch of them across Oklahoma. That's just one thing. Guess what else is going on? The Department of Defense has indicated it's going to respond to another situation in Oklahoma where Governor Kevin Stitt, after his National Guard's state objected a Pentagon COVID-19 vaccine mandate for all service members. So Oklahoma's National Guard said, we're not going to do it. We're not going to force it. And so the DOG said, we are aware of the memo issued by the Oklahoma Adjutant General regarding COVID vax for guardsmen in the governor's letter requesting exemption. We will respond to the governor appropriately. That came from the Pentagon. So without elaborating on how the Department of Defense is going to respond, Admiral Kirby, their spokesperson, said that Secretary of Defense Austin quote, believes that a vaccinated force is a more ready force and that it's why he has ordered mandatory vaccines for the total force, and that includes National Guard who contribute significantly to national missions at home and abroad. Pushback, pushback, pushback. But here's the sad state of affairs on this. Listen to this, folks. Not a single U.S. military branch not one, has granted a single request for religious accommodations from the vaccine mandate. Over 16,000 U.S. service members have submitted such applications for a religious exemption. That's according to court documents. Far, far more of these have come from the Air Force with 11,070. The Air Force acknowledged earlier this month it approved zero religious exemption request, but officials there and at other branches had refused to say how many apps were filed. The Army, Navy, and Coast Guard had not previously released any data relating to religious accommodation requests. Military officials have said they're following processes, military internal processes. That's another way of explaining. We're not going to tell you what is going on. But the new filings show that in addition to approving zero religious accommodation requests, military officials have approved just a handful of accommodation requests from other vaccines in recent years. Example, the Army. They received 17 such requests in 2019 and 2020. Every one were denied. Every one. The Marines rejected all such requests all the way back to 2016. The Coast Guard approved just two of 23 in the past 10 years. Big government, big government, big brother in charge of 
everything. So what the heck is going on in our economy? (laughs) Well, I think it's very safe to say that uh, Big Pharma has made tens of billions of dollars in profit from the pandemic. And where are they getting all that money? They're not getting it from you. Your insurance company's not paying for vaccines, any of the three. Why? The federal government bought them all. Billions of dollars, direct purchases from Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, and Pfizer. Wow. This next story, it frosts me, and you'll understand why. Over the weekend, quietly, in big bad news that the government's going to put out, they always do it over the weekend because there are a bunch of people, most people are just not paying attention on the weekend. They're doing their own private life things. Guess what Joe's administration did over the weekend? They're raising Medicare premiums. Medicare premiums. Everybody thinks, or most people think, that anybody that gets Medicare insurance They don't pay anything. That's not the case. It's held out of your Social Security benefits, whatever the number is. And they have it broken down by a lot of different things. The Medicare Part B standard monthly premium starting next month is going to go up $22 more in 2022. $22 a month. The increase in the Part B premium for 2022 is continued evidence that rising drug costs threaten the affordability and sustainability of the Medicare program. That comes from Chiquita Brooks-Lashure, administrator of CMS. The Biden-Harris administration is working to make drug prices more affordable and equitable for all Americans and to advance drug pricing reform through competition, innovation, and transparency. That's all gobbledygook. What that means is that's the political line and we're trying to push responsibility on some other entity so we don't have to be the ones that are making these bad choices for the tens of millions of Medicare patients in America. This move, raising the cost, also stemmed from the limiting of the monthly premium increase in 2021. It also reflects the need to maintain a contingency reserve for unanticipated increases in healthcare spending, particularly certain drugs. Now, let me throw this out there, folks. What's the big increase in federal cost for drugs? Let me think. Let me think. Could it be the tens of billions of dollars the federal government has paid for COVID-19 vaccines. It said one drug in particular was a major factor in this rise. Now, this blows my mind. If you read today's story, there's a big section on the cost and the operation and what happened as Anthony Fauci pushed the United States HIV AIDS patients to the drug AZT. It's part of what they say is driving this increase in Medicare premiums. Additionally, Alzheimer's drug, Adahelm, 
by people covered by Medicare meant that they needed to store away a high level of reserves. Well, I'm going to give you a little homework. That drug, Aduhelm, it's spelled A-D-U-H-E-L-M. Aduhelm. A-D-U-H-E-L-M. Go look up the cost of Aduhelm and look up who makes it and look up at the prices. You'll find out it's being politicized once again. Everything is. So thank God more and more people, more and more people in government, principally at the state and local levels, are getting involved in this whole craziness about this money. Tennessee Governor Bill Lee, he signed a sweeping measure into law late Friday that pretty much is going to ban COVID-19 vaccine pans, uh, passports and restrict the enforcement of even mask mandates across the state. The bill was passed by the state legislature last month in a three-day special legislative session. The new law is going to take effect immediately, in fact, today, banning government entities, public schools, many private businesses from requiring proof of COVID-19 vaccines as a condition of entry or mandating vaccines among their staff. Businesses that contract with the federal government and thereby receive federal funds, including public universities, may be able to mandate vaccines and masks after they apply for and obtain approval from the state's controller's office if they can make the case that not doing so could result in them losing out on federal funding, which is being tested by all of these state's attorney generals, 26 of them. Some companies and higher education institutions have already reached out about being exempt from the requirements. The controller will have an online form up and running for exemption applications by Monday. I think we're going to see this spread across the nation. I really do. I think more and more governments on the local basis, the local and state basis, are realizing, hey, the states and our citizens have rights. We have rights that are guaranteed in the Constitution. And we have specifically for our citizens the responsibility to make sure that especially those first 10 amendments that are called the Bill of Rights to Consumers, that our federal government doesn't stamp on any of those, which is exactly what Joe Biden, the rest of his Democrat leadership, including Dr. Anthony Fauci, are doing. And they've been able to do it very stealthily in many cases up to this year, 2021. But they realize, Democrats in power and their power brokers and power junkies all realize, looks pretty solid that they're going to lose control of Congress. They'll have the White House for a couple of more years, but next November they're pretty sure, it's pretty certain unless they can figure some way to manipulate the 2022 election results as is alleged to have happened in the November 2020 election system, it looks like they're going to lose control. So they are doing everything they can to shove down on the American people more egregious, hardcore, far-left policies and processes. And they're doing it, and they're not even, they're not even apologizing for what they're doing. They're just flat doing it. And folks, these vaccine mandates, it's unbelievable how many and who people 
or standing up and saying, I'm not going down that road. Thank God for people like that. Not because it's good to be an anti-vaxxer. That's not what this is about. Do you realize this thing that's pending right now with the kids, with our kids, they are pushing so hard to get these kids vaccinated at very young ages. Do you realize what's going on there? It's all about the money. They are putting your children, my grandchildren, they're putting them up as, I guess, the asset to back these vaccines. In other words, they're getting us to put our kids' lives on the line. There are 26 million children in that age group, 12 and under. 26 million. They're wanting to vaccinate every one of them. Do you know how many kids in trials have been tested for these vaccines they're wanting to push down on 26 million children? 1,300. 1,300 children in the trials for vaccinations for kids under the age of 12, 12 and under. 1,300, and they've had horrible results. And they're ignoring the results, and they're screaming at the top of their lungs. we got to protect the kids. We've got them vaccinated. In fact, with no vaccination, kids have a 99-point-something-something percent of never getting symptoms. Even if they catch COVID-19, many of them would never know they even had it. Less than 1% will even catch it. So ask yourself this question, why the heck would they push vaccines so heavily for 12 and under Americans? Think that through. And it's not just at that level. It's not just parents and their kids. This whole vax pushback has begun to grow. It's a groundswell of pushback. It's coming from even professional athletes. And it's been especially hard in professional athletics, NFL, Major League Baseball, and NBA. Dramon Green, Golden State Warriors, over the weekend, um, in a post-game interview, one of the reporters asked him about vaccine mandates. There are some very high-level NBA players that are refusing, and those that are refusing, they're not being able to play. And folks making that decision, these guys make many of them 15 to $20 million a year. And if you don't play, you don't get paid. And we're not talking about somebody missing a day at work and not having a comp time. And so you lose a day of pay, a normal American. We're talking about them losing a million, almost a million, maybe $600,000 in a week from not playing. Over the weekend, Jermon Green of Golden State was asked that. Listen to this African-American multimillionaire explain what's going on in this anti-vax thing. And he knows what he's talking about because you know why? These people make a lot of money. They have a lot of very important people that surround them. They have a base. They have advisors about everything. And you can book it. They all have health advisors because they're being healthy is 100%. 
It's the biggest building block in their reputation and their business. Without having health, they can't make any money. Listen to Jermon Green. How do you straddle the line between, you know, letting Andrew have his personal space and also knowing that what his absence might do to the team, the team situation? Um, that would be like um, Andrew, who, as everyone knows, previously just had a kid, you know, maybe, I don't know, five months ago or so now. Um, that would be like me telling him, like, yo, your wife is going into labor. How dare you leave this team and not go tend to your wife for what that can mean for this team? That's that's something that's personal to him. That's health-related. That's, you know, something that's personal to his family. This is no different. Uh, this is, you know, we're dealing with something that, <clears throat> to me, feels like has turned into a political war. Um when, when you're talking about a vaccination and non-vaccinated, uh, I think it's become very political. And, you know, for someone who's not extremely into politics, uh, when, when you make something so political and people, not everyone is into politics, then you can also turn those people off, you know? And, you know, I think there is something to be said for people's concern about something that's being pressed so hard. Like, why are you pressing this so hard? Like, so much, you're just pressing and pressing and pressing. I think you have to honor people's feelings and, and their own personal beliefs. And I think that's been lost um, when it comes to vac vaccinated and non-vaccinated. Uh, and it, it kind of sucks that that's been lost. Um, because you, you're essentially not giving anyone, uh, we, you know, you say we live in a land of the free. Well, you're not giving anyone freedom because you're making people do something, essentially, uh, without necessarily making them. You're making them do something. And that goes against everything that America stands for or supposedly stands for. And so I don't think... No, I know. I'm not in any position to go tell him what he should or should not be doing. Um, and I, as a leader of this team, I'm not going to go to him and say, hey, man, we really need, no, the hell, you do what you feel you want to do. That that has nothing. I'm not going to go and ask him, did he get a polio vaccine? Uh, so why would I go ask him if he got a COVID vaccine? You know, I remember the days when um, your medical history was private. I remember those days. I ain't that young to where I don't remember your medical history being private. And I also remember the days when you're voting, who you voted for was private. Um, your, your choice on whether you were Democratic or Republican was private. I remember growing up and asking my grandma, Grandma, who you vote for? And boy, don't ask me who I voted for. Like, are you crazy? You know, um, I remember those days. You know, and it's not so much like that anymore. You know, so... Uh, I'm a little old school, you know, I think, you know, some, we get away from some things as a country, as a whole, as a, a whole being of humans, uh, you know, we always think we're doing better and, 
you're getting better and sometimes when you think you're doing and getting better certain things get lost and I think um, medical history right now is one of those things that's been lost and it's not going back you know so I'm not sitting here you know crying for it to go back it kind of is what it is um, but I said all of that to say it's not my place nor my business on whether he gets vaccinated or not or who else is vaccinated or if you're vaccinated and I'm not or if he isn't and she is that's none of my business and I think um, you know, people in this world could do themselves a great deal if they if they actually took that approach as well. Because it- how about that? A multimillionaire, professional athlete, and he makes it very clear: it's our right, individual right, to determine what's best for us medically. Where did this uh, "my body, my choice" thing go away all of a sudden among the hard leftists in America? Of course, that only applies to abortion. A woman has the right to determine what's best for her body. Except, (laughs) except when it comes to vaccines. The federal government's got to make sure that everything's right and you're not smart enough to make those choices for yourself. So what are we going to do? We're just going to make that decision for you. And so sit down, shut up, and... uh, Let us take care of you. That's what we're all about. Man, that's our last COVID-19 bit today, and there's plenty more to come. Do not forget, read today's story, top to bottom, or listen to the audio version. It'll blow your mind, but it's full of facts. Got some great information ahead. Just a minute. Speaking the truth, the mainstream press will not. Dan Newman, TNN, The Truth News Network. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids, only at Carl's Jr. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf, and that is its incredibly protective mother. You guys good? Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. What are you doing? Should we pick him up? He has Bud Light. He has an axe. But he has Bud Light. And an axe. I'm sure there's a reason for it. Hey, buddy. What's with the axe? It's a bottle opener. Hop in. Refreshingly smooth Bud Light. Always worth it. Look, here's Bud Light. And a chainsaw. Conservative thought, not just talk. At TNN, the Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. Just checking our emails online uh, during that break, and 
I got this one from uh, regular listeners and partners at Truth News Network. I'll just give you their first names in a minute. But it says this, We don't want to believe that anyone would be a part of knowingly harming people of any age or ethnicity since they are all made in the image of God. No amount of money or profit or elevation and status should ever be the impetus for clearly destructive disregard for human health and life. The torturing of animals is abhorrent as well. Children who don't have parents are not expendable. Anyone who thinks it's okay to do or fund or order others to do these horrible things or profit financially from these acts, we don't know how or why, nor do we want to understand how or why they think the way they do. It's not okay to use taxpayer money for these violent experiments and for abortions. We pray for our country and for the world. We know many do not believe in God, but they still should value life and not put themselves in a position of authority over others and even the future of the earth. That's another subject. Thank you for the article again today. We appreciate all you do. We're going to add the book by Robert Kennedy Jr. to our need to read list. I like this tagline. We mostly thank God that we have his word, the Bible, and our faith in Jesus. Jim and Jeanette. I got to say that was very succinct and a good way to describe what this story, very lengthy story, but you can't miss it today, folks. Don't dare miss it. It's incredible, and it touches on all the questions that you and I have had for two years now. What's going on? Why? And who? So it's hard to believe, but based on the fallout of all the actions that have been done by the Democrat Party, Democrat-led majority in the House of Representatives, and also in the Senate, and of course Joe Biden, Americans are awakening and they're not feeling um, really good, these Democrats, about what's going on. Listen to this, folks. Republicans currently have the largest lead in the generic congressional ballot they have had since 1981. And this is according to a poll. And guess what poll it's from? ABC News and the Washington Post. It was released yesterday. As things stand, if the midterm elections were today, 51% of registered voters said that they would support the Republican candidate in their congressional district, only 41% the Democrat. That came out of the poll. That's the biggest lead for the Republicans in ABC Post polls to ask this question since November 1981. Indeed, it's only the second time the GOP has held a statistically significant advantage. The other was plus seven points in January of 2002, and the ninth time it's held any numerical edge at all. Those independents who are often considered the swing votes would support the GOP candidate by a 50 to 32 percent margin. This is important considering they voted plus 12 points for the Democrat Party in the 2018 midterm elections. This is crazy, folks. The same poll also shows widespread economic anxiety among Americans. With the inflation running now at a 30-year high, 70% of Americans say the economy is in bad shape. 
That is up from 58% earlier this spring. 70%. Now, we can just sum up all of this and just do it in one download and give it back to James Carville, hard leftist, during the Clinton years. He was right there beside both Hillary and Bill Clinton in the White House. And he's a fellow Louisianian. His wife calls him Serpent Head. You've seen him on the news shows. He's just very rare out there now. But boy, back when the Obama administration was going strong and even before that, the Clintons, he was on talk shows pretty much as a political expert every day. His famous line, it, it just, it's ironic. It epitomizes exactly where we are now and why 70% of Americans say our economy's in a bad shape and that the Republicans have the biggest lead in the polls since early 1990s. Carville very famously said when Bill Clinton was running for re-election and had all kind of bad news out there about him, was facing uh, being uh, impeached, which he was. Carville said when people were saying, well, how can Bill Clinton win re-election with all this negativity out there about him? Carville famously said, it's the economy, stupid. And once again, these poll results, Americans are awakening more and more every day and they're seeing the massive inflation. I mean, nobody will call what the Biden administration said about raising the cost of Medicare premiums for those 65 and older. There are a lot of people out there that say, you know what? Why shouldn't we pay for old people's health care? You don't understand. I'll give you an example. I'm not an old person, but I'm a Medicare recipient. I'm a Social Security recipient. It's a little bit different than, um, let's just say, uh, a million illegals that come into the United States and they get automatically instant health care and all kinds of other benefits. For 54 years, every paycheck I made, I had money withheld. Part of it went to my retirement account called Social Security. The other went to my retirement insurance, which is Medicare. So this is not an endowment. This is not welfare, folks. This is a system that was created, and it's worked pretty effectively through the years for adults who pay into this system, many for, like I said, 54, 55, even 60 years, and then retire and have that little bit of a safety net there for them. Don't denigrate that. Oh, by the way, I would have loved at any point. In fact, I'll do it today. Just give me back everything that I paid in and pay me whatever the annual interest rate was the banks were paying that year. Don't give me any more. Don't give me anything else but that. Give it back to me right now. I'll take that. You don't have to worry about me. I'll uh, rescind my rights to any Social Security or Medicare benefits forever. Did you hear a lot about the big spending bill that now Democrats say that that biggie, uh, they call it social safety nest or uh, safety net or they'll call it infrastructure, what social infra, whatever you want to call it. Nancy Pelosi put it out this morning. They're going to pass that bill this week. Well, guess what one thing that's in it, and more and more of those things are 
popping out now in the news. You're going to love this. A proposal in it to offer an additional $4,500 tax credit for the purchase of union-made U.S. electric vehicles. That's in the bill, folks. It's shaping up to be the next issue of contention in the nearly $2 trillion budget reconciliation bill. Again, the Nancy says they're going to vote on this week. In the plan, an extra $500 tax credit would be applied if the vehicle contains 50% domestic parts. Democrat West Virginian Senator Joe Manchin, a key swing vote, it's in that evenly split Senate, has come out forcefully against the preferential $4,500 incentive. Here's what he said. When I heard about this, what they were putting in the bill, I went right to the sponsor, Michigan Democrat Senator Debbie Stabenow. And I said, this is wrong. This can't happen. It's not who we are as a country. It's not how we built this country. And the product should speak for itself. We shouldn't even use everyone's tax dollars to pick winners and losers. If you're a capitalist economy that we're in a society, then you let the product speak for itself, and hopefully we'll get that. That'll be corrected. Automakers like Tesla and Toyota and Honda are opposed to the Democrats' proposal given their workforces are not unionized. What does this say to the American auto worker who has decided not to join a union? It says that their work is worth $4,500 less just because they're not in a union? What does this say to the American consumer? It says that if they want to buy an electric vehicle not made by Ford, General Motors, or Chrysler, you're going to have to pay an extra $4,500, which is about $100 more per month over a four-year period. The GOP has argued a $4,500 tax credit added on top of the existing $7,500 credit for electric car purchases would disproportionately help, guess who? Wealthy Americans who are buying the very expensive electric vehicles. In 2020, listen to this. They're making this such a big deal. Look at all that money, $7,500 in credit. Last year, only 2% of new passenger vehicle sales were electric. And guess who controls and owns the biggest percentage of those electric vehicles? The top 1% in America. Biden wants to give them his cronies. And oh, by the way, his biggest contributors to his 2020 presidential campaign Labor unions, give those people, not regular everyday Americans who are blue collar that work in factories, not them, just if they're union members, give them an extra $4,500. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And it's so obvious on its face that it's just shocking, and it shouldn't be, that Joe Biden and Democrats in Congress don't see that like Joe Manchin did, and pointed out. Its big brother is the gravy train. That's where we go to get everything that we think we need and everything we think we want. Let's just get it from our representatives in the United States Congress. What else is happening? Well, I thought it would stop at some point, 
but it still hasn't gasoline prices. Oh my gosh. And don't think that this administration won't weaponize even the big hikes in gas prices. Listen to this. Jen Psaki on Friday told reporters in a briefing that these rising gas prices, which are up around 60% from a year ago, that those price hikes are a strong argument in favor of more government spending. And not just spending it willy-nilly, but she said on green energy solutions. While dismissing suggestions that the Biden administration's policies like halting new oil and gas drilling leases, canceling the XL pipeline permit were causing pain at the pump. Here's what she said. The rise in gas prices over the long term makes it an even stronger case for doubling down on our investment and our focus on clean energy options so that we're not relying on the fluctuations in OPEC and their willingness to put more supply and meet the demands in the market. She was responding to a question asked by a reporter. That reporter noted that Republicans have blamed President Biden's policies, including the Keystone XL pipeline permit cancellation and freezing new oil and gas drilling leases on federal land and water, asked about those contributing to a rise in gas prices. Now, according to AAA, the national average gas price on November 11th stood at $3.41 a gallon. That's up about 60% from the previous year's average of $2.13. Can you believe that? Saki added that the administration's focus with regards to rising gas prices has chiefly been to ask the Federal Trade Commission, oh, we got to investigate possible price gouging and to call on OPEC and its crude producing allies dubbed OPEC Plus to pump more crude. But OPEC, they said, basically, here's the middle finger to the Biden administration. At a November 4th meeting, OPEC voted to gradually raise crude productions by $400,000 per day each month. Saki also said that while certainly there are a range of other domestic options to help reduce prices at the pump, she didn't have anything to preview at this point in time in this regard with her response following a question about whether the Biden folks was considering releasing barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. And of course, reporters kept pressing on the issue of inflation, which they should. Inflation is running at a near 31-year high. And she acknowledged big, big cost on people's households, adding that it's certainly of concern to the president. At the same time, she said that a vast majority of outside economists predict inflation will slow down next year. I haven't heard that. In fact, I've heard exactly the opposite. Saki also said that economists across the board agree that Biden's infrastructure bill and his Build Back Better agenda will ease inflationary pressure over the long term. I haven't heard that either. The only thing that I've heard is with all of the money that has been thrown into our economy already, several trillion dollars by our government, that's what causes inflation. More money goes in, the dollar is worth less. 
They just ignore that in this administration. And folks, that's not a talking point. That's historical. So let me tell you, I want, here's what I'm, I'm not going to tell you what this president thinks about inflation. I'm not going to do it. People are asking, where's it coming from? Why all of a sudden is it happening? Joe Biden himself explains inflation and how it happened. And I want you to hear it from the horse's mouth. President Joe Biden. And the irony is people have more money now because of the first major piece of legislation I passed. You all got checks for $1,400. You got checks for a whole range of things. If you're a mom and you have kids under the age of seven, you're getting 300 bucks a month. And if it's over, over seven to 17. I got to stop it right there, folks. Oh, Americans have so much more money. In, in that first thing we did, you know, we sent out those checks for $1,400. People got all kind of money. Moms are getting $300 a month to help support their kids. Uh, folks, I don't know what world this guy lives in. I know this. He lives in a world where he never writes a check. He doesn't have to worry about bills coming in, and is he going to have enough money to pay the bills, or is he possibly going to have to think about the family not doing something just because they're paying 60% more for their gasoline to go do it? This is the insanity of this administration and this president the way they think. Let's listen to the rest of it. It gets deeper. You're getting $360 a month like wealthy people used to do when they get back tax returns. It changed people's lives. But what happens if there's nothing to buy, you got more money, you compete for getting it there, it creates a real problem. So on the one hand, we're facing new disruptions to our supplies. At the same time, we're also experiencing higher demand for goods because wages are up as well as, as well as people have money in the bank. Because of the strength of our economic recovery, American families have been able to buy more products. And But guess what? They're not going out to dinner and lunch and going to lo- local bars because of COVID. So what are they doing? They're staying home, they're ordering online, and they're buying product. Well, with more people with money buying product and less product to buy, what happens? The supply chain's the reason. The answer is you guys. I'll get to that in a minute. But what happens? Prices go up. There you go. The reason prices go up is because Joe Biden is such a good-natured leader and such a caring leader that he gave all of you Americans, I gave you a $1,400 check, and moms are getting $300 a month to feed their kids or to help with daycare. Oh, my gosh. I'm Joe Biden and I'm doing this for you, that's why you're paying 60% more for gas. That's why we don't have any of the things that we want, and they're telling us Santa Claus is going to be late this year. That's why all of these container ships are sitting out in the harbors. I have never in my lifetime, 68 years, I have never heard such insanity, this unbelievable drivel that's coming out from the mouths of all these people in the Biden administration, top to bottom. And it gets even worse. There's a Treasury nominee that's floating around D.C. 
and um, in and out of the Senate having hearings to decide whether she is qualified or should be part of the Biden administration to be confirmed. And this is all of these nomination hearings are really, really big deals because these are the people that shape the policy that we get shoved down our throats by this and any other administration. And of course, a lot of the policies that get shoved down our throat, we don't want, we don't like. And when you got a 50-50 split U.S. Senate where all ties are determined by a Democrat vice president, these confirmations of these nominated people by Joe Biden are critical. I want you to listen to this one. This one, folks, is really critical. Listen to what is said by this nominee. Imagine what would it be like if instead of being just a public option for deposit uh, banking, this would be actually the full transition. In other words, there will be no more private uh, bank deposit accounts and all of the deposit accounts will be held directly at the Fed. And there are very interesting implications uh, from that thought experiment, for example, with uh, the much more uh, direct and proactive tools of monetary policy, like helicopter money, which is, uh, you know, considered radical, primarily because uh, economists really do not know how to manage the issue of what will happen uh, in the inflationary environment when the central bank needs to contract the supply of money. How is it possible? politically feasible for the central bank to effectively take money away from uh, people's accounts. You might remember some of the predictions uh, that if, if I became president, we quote, see a depression, the likes of which we've never seen, end of quote. Another prediction that is my favorite one, I must add, is that if I got elected, I'd bring the end to capitalism. <laughs> That's his nominee for that treasury position. And she basically says, imagine how good it would be when we don't any longer have private bank accounts. Every bank account is out there and the money that go into those accounts, it's being held by the central bank. And that they can grab it. She said this. They'll be able to grab it. They. Who is they? Of course, it's the bureaucracy, the government of the United States. That's a person who has in the past came out, I mean strongly, publicly, in support of communist federalism. Big government controls and has access to every aspect of our lives. That's what this administration is out there touting. Can you believe that we're even considering this? Wow. And it gets worse, folks. Every day it just gets worse and worse. Have you heard about the latest in the January 6th stuff? The January 6th, 600 people that were singled out, that were at the January 6th demonstrations, protest, whatever you want to call them, were arrested by the FDI. A bunch of them were taken into custody, and many still remain in custody. And the things they've been charged with, folks, none of them are anything close to this. These people haven't had bail hearings. Multiple of them were taken out of their cells on stretchers on November 11th, four days ago. This is not according to some report. It's according to a court filing. 
The situation started when one of the defendants refused to wear a mask. Family members of that defendant, Kelly Meggs, who was being held in the D.C. jail, told Meggs' lawyer, prison guards then began spraying a chemical described as some kind of mace or pepper spray. That's from a filing in federal court. They sprayed mace or some type of gas at an inmate and kept missing, so it went into an intake that fed into other cells. The lady with the key left because she didn't like the gas that they were spraying. So the inmates in the cells were being fed the gas from that intake were locked in for like 15 minutes while it was going into their rooms and they couldn't see or breathe. More than one of the defendants was taken out on stretchers for medical attention. Julie Kelly, who's a writer for American Greatness, reported that prison guards filled an area of the jail with chemical spray. Three detainees had to be taken out on stretchers. Mosley and the D.C. Department of Corrections didn't respond to requests for comment. The lawyer said his client wasn't in one of the cells that the gas was being cycled into by the ventilation system. He urged the court to find out why, with the Bureau of Prisons and Congress, whether any federal funds are already or can be allocated to repair and upgrade the D.C. jail facilities. The judge wouldn't respond. Prosecutors wouldn't respond. This whole January 6th, the the craziness about taking people into custody, not giving them access to their lawyer's representation for long periods of time, only getting out 30 to 40 minutes a day to go outside. They're restricting their ability to take baths. And not one serious, I mean really serious charge has been levied against one of these 600 Americans that were arrested by the FBI. It's unconscionable that this is happening in the United States of America, but it is, and it's not stopping anytime soon. Five Republican senators, by the way, They say they are going to withhold their support from any spending package, including the big one that's out supposedly to be voted on this week. And the reason they're not going to vote for it is because of what they say is a failure to adequately fund border security, pointing specifically to a lack of funding for the wall at the southern border. In a letter to fellow senators to be sent today, Senators Mike Braun, of Indiana, Marco Rubio of Florida, Mike Lee of Utah, Cynthia Loomis of Wyoming, and Ted Cruz of Texas, by the way. It was announced this morning, Ted Cruz's old buddy is going to run for governor. We'll talk about him in just a few minutes. But anyway, they say in this letter, proposals released by the Senate Appropriations Committee failed to provide America's border agents with the proper security infrastructure that's necessary to defend Americans' border from the continued crisis of unrestrained illegal immigration. The U.S. has been facing, and it still is, a dramatic and continuing crisis down south. More than 1.7 million migrant encounters in the year, more than 192,000 migrant encounters in just last month. So while the Biden folks have blamed root causes like poverty and violence in Central America, 
Republicans have instead pointed to the rollback of the Trump-era policies that included Biden's decision to halt the border wall construction. That, by the way, he is doing so. He has no authority constitutionally to do that. Absolutely none. Why? Because the only entity in the three co-equal branches of government that can mess with the money in any of it is the U.S. Congress, and $5 billion was earmarked and passed in the Congress to build that southern wall. And by the way, the final number, we finally got a good one. How many miles of wall were built during the Trump administration? 450 miles. Those five Republicans note that in addition to this, border wall funding was excluded from this year's Democrat appropriation bills. Homeland Security appropriation bill pulls $1.9 billion in wall funding, takes it out of that $5 billion that was allocated, and it shifts it elsewhere. As a result, the bill assigns $14.5 billion in funding for Custom and Border Protection, down for more than half a billion dollars from the fiscal year 2021 budget, even amid the crisis at the southern border. Rather than to continue to waste taxpayer dollars on border walls while ignoring proven, more effective and less costly investments to improve border security, this money will be refocused toward innovative and cost-effective capabilities and will also provide critical investments to support Border Patrol employees. That's what the bill says. Also, there's a $50 million earmark that would allow wall construction on federal land to be removed. They say this is despite significant evidence that wall construction is a critical tool for America's border security agents to combat illegal migration, drug smuggling, and human trafficking. In particular, they're pointing to the Trump-era DHS figures that show illegal entries dropped by as much as 87% in sectors where the wall had been constructed. More and more happening. Wow, 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 wow. I'm going to get that report. Big news coming out of Texas this morning. We'll do that right after this break. Stay tuned. It's a big one. Stay with me. Juice drinks, sodas, and sports drinks are loaded with added sugars and calories and have little or no nutritional value. Sugary drinks can destroy teeth, cause obesity, and lead to type 2 diabetes. Sugar bites. Protect your kids. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar. 
bitter sour cream, salt and vinegar too. You sample them all, cause the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home, but now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. Computer, execute 12.4p operation. Optimizing algorithm. Running encryption packet alpha night night. Oh, I don't feel so good. What? What is it, computer? Is it hot in here? It feels hot in here? I feel a little clammy. I should lie down or something. A computer with a virus? Surprising. What's not surprising? How much you could save by switching to GEICO. Those oysters Rockefeller were a mistake. GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Truth. Justice. The TNN way. This is TNN. The Truth News Network. And again, Dan Newman. Well, that wonderful Texan, Bozo O'Rourke. Guess what? Beto has done. He officially launched his Texas gubernatorial run against Governor Greg Abbott. He announced it this morning. And Bozo is pledging again. First thing he's going to do, take away AR-15 rifles. (laughs) So a Texas Tribune correspondent quoted O'Rourke as saying, I think most Texans can agree. We should not see our friends, our family, our neighbors shot up with weapons that were designed for use on a battlefield. The Tribune in Texas reports Abbott has already dubbed Democrat Wrong Way O'Rourke, suggesting that his proposal to take AR-15s using a government-mandated buyback is the wrong way to approach Texans. If you'll remember, way back in 2019, when those presidential debates were going on, Democrat uh, O'Rourke looked into the camera and he said, If you elect me, hell yes, we're going to take your AR-15 and your AK-47. Now, here's something else he said. And I, when he said it in that debate, I actually heard him say it. I just went nuts because I know it's a bald-faced lie. He said he had gone to a gun show in Conway, Arkansas. If you don't know Arkansas, it's just a little bit to the northwest, about 20, 25 miles from Little Rock which is a hotbed of red, red American, where Arkansas has a ton of hunters. And the number one gun that's purchased there, long gun, which is everything but a revolver or a short barrel sidearm, the number one gun sold in Arkansas is AR-15s. <laughs> well, he said that He was told when he was in that uh, gun show by numerous gun owners, these gun owners said, quote, I would willingly give up my AR-15 and my AK-47, cut it to pieces. I don't need this weapon to hunt to defend myself. It's a weapon of war. The reason I know it's a bald-faced lie, because people that own these guns, they understand it is not, never has been, and cannot be used as a weapon of war. Just because the frame of an AR-15 or an AK-47, just because they look like the fully automatic version that our military and law enforcement use, that's an M4. It looks like a fully automatic, and those are, by the way, weapons of war that are used by our military and have been for years in actual battle. 
an AR-15, an AK-47. You pull the trigger and one bullet fires. If you hold the trigger down, that's it. Nothing else happens. On an M4, which is the automatic, fully automatic version of an AR-15, if you pull the trigger and hold it down, however many shells you have in your magazine, that's how many will fire in rapid succession. That is a weapon of war. So, Bozo O'Rourke, he's jumping into running for another office, and he jumps into it telling lies. He, of course, opposes everything that Abbott supports, and that includes constitutional carry for handguns. On June 16, 2021, it was observed that Abbott was signing constitutional carry into law making Texas the 21st constitutional carry state in the Union. The other 20 states, just so you know, Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, Idaho, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Maine, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, New Hampshire, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, Vermont, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Bozos back in the race. So this is going to be a... uh, I think it's going to be a really big election cycle. Midterms are going to be amazing, folks. Amazing. With all this stuff going on and still our southern border, GOP senators are really, really looking seriously at what's going on at our southern border and finding ways to stop it because there is just too much that's not happening there. Too many people are suffering because of what's being allowed to happen at our southern border. And if you notice, big media, they're not even talking about it. Oh, they've got all these other things they can talk about. But do you think those illegal aliens are stopping just because American media is no longer talking about what's happening at the southern border? They're not, folks. But there's a lot of stuff elsewhere that's going on. Have you kept up with that Kyle Rittenhouse case? Well, guess what Judge Bruce Schoeder just did this morning? He ruled in favor of the defense's request to have a firearms charge against Kyle Rittenhouse dismissed in Kenosha County Court first thing this morning. On Friday, Judge Schroeder appeared pretty skeptical of the weapons charge, saying that the Wisconsin statute was unclear about exceptions for those over 16 years old but under 18 years old if the gun were a long-barreled rifle. However, the judge did not throw out the charge, partly because he could not remember whether the length of the rifle Rittenhouse used had been introduced into evidence. So, this morning, as lawyers for the prosecution and the defense argued over the final draft of the jury instructions, the defense once more raised the issue of the weapons charge, noting that the gun had been measured in court and that the police detective on the witness stand had confirmed that it was not short-barreled. The judge then indicated the gun ought to be measured. If the barrel length is less than 16 inches or an overall less than 26 inches, then I'll deny the defense motion. If it does not meet those specs, then the defense motion will be granted. We're not disputing that the barrel length is appropriate, Prosecutor James Krause said 
in a defeated tone, effectively admitting the rifle was not short barrel. Judge Schroeder dismissed the charge. The remaining charges concern murder and attempted murder. Critics have said Rittenhouse's argument that he acted in self-defense would defeat those charges and that the weapons charge posed the only serious chance of a conviction if the statute applied. So what's going to happen? We're going to watch it closely. And no matter what happens, no matter how it ends up in this, you can bet, folks, there is going to be rampant violence in the streets of Kenosha, Wisconsin. And it will not be secluded just to Kenosha. There will be copycat protests slash riots that will include looting, possible burning tearing down other people's property, just like we saw happen last summer, we're going to see it again, no matter the outcome of this. And have you heard about what's happened in a pushback about the New York new mayor that has come up, former policeman, he made it very clear they are no longer going to accept violence in the streets and that New York police are going to enforce laws. He's brought back that division that was handling street crime, specifically that was their obligation, and Bill de Blasio terminated him. He just canceled that whole division. And then the police force, they begin to retire, to resign, to leave en masse. And of course, what's happened? Crime has risen. Well, the new mayor basically didn't point out Black Lives Matter, but he said there will not be any type of violence acceptable in New York. Hawk, you've seen him, you've heard him here on TNN Live, he's the New York manager or leader of Black Lives Matter across the state of New York. He just went nuts last week and we played it here, it has been all over media. He promised that if the police began to clamp down, and what he was referenced is not basically let us do what we want to do. There will be, he said these words, there will be blood in the streets. And he's talking about what Black Lives Matter did, multiple cities around the nation over last summer. I guess the most obvious place where it happened over and over and over again, basically every day, every night, was in Portland, Oregon. But there's a strong contingency of Black Lives Matter. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but it started in New York City, started in Manhattan, Black Lives Matter. Uh, It was a takeoff of what happened in Missouri way back whenever, when Obama was president and uh, the young African-American man was shot to death because he was charging a police officer who was in his car. And boy, that made international news over and over and over again. And of course, the cop was vindicated. Of course, all of what he went through, all of what the mainstream media were saying every day, all day long, not covering the facts, just feeding the narrative about every white person, every white cop being a racist, and black men were being killed, slaughtered like animals by cops all across the nation, which has never been true. There have been killings, no doubt about it. There have been killings, black cops shooting black citizens when they break the law 
And sometimes people make mistakes on both sides of that equation. Anyway, I thought it was interesting that Hawk has uh, finally gone crazy. Um, and he just showed his stuff. So how do you come away with that? I got to be honest with you. I think what Hawk said, I think we're going to see that happen. I think we're going to see people get in the streets and there'll be a lot of crime, a lot of violence. Alan Dershowitz, very famous attorney, constitutional attorney. He's, he's always, when big news things come out on a national level, he always speaks up, but he's been kind of quiet. CNN and other left-wing news media television outlets are vigilantes, he said, seeking to influence the outcome of the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. That's according to Dershowitz. He rejected the framing of Rittenhouse as a vigilante across leftist news media. He said CNN and some of the other TV stations have become vigilantes. They're the vigilantes, not Rittenhouse. They're the ones who want to put not the thumb, but the elbow on the scale of justice. They want to influence the outcome of this case, and there are others who are threatening violence if there is anything but convictions in this case as they threaten violence in previous cases and will in subsequent cases unless something is done about it. He emphasized it's the New Yorker and CNN that are vigilantes. They're the ones who are trying to influence justice with no regard to evidence. And Dershowitz said he should be acquitted. The jury should not even be able to consider the attempted murder of the guy who admitted on the witness stand that he pointed a gun at him before he was shot in the shoulder. Actually, we saw over the weekend the actual video of that exact incident and that guy that Rittenhouse shot in the video was chasing Rittenhouse, shooting at him. Oh, we could go on and on and on. We could stay here with you all day long, but time gets us, folks. And I want to say a couple of things to you as we leave. Thank you so much for being here. How many people have looked in? Let me see if we got time. Let me see how many people have, uh, during the show, our number of people that have read have read today's story that I definitely feel like. You've got to go, folks. You've got to go check it out. Oh, where's the number? Where's the number? Here it is. 1,165 readers of today's story. Why are they reading it? Check it out yourself. Truthnewsnet.org. Truthnewsnet.org. It's a top story today. Again, thanks for being here. We look forward to sharing tomorrow with you. Check out our stories first thing in the morning. They're always good. In the meantime, find a way to smile and make somebody else smile today. We'll see you tomorrow. It's so important to make someone happy. Make just one someone happy. Make just one heart to heart you. You sing to one. Smile that cheers you. One face that lights when it nears you. One girl you're. You're everything. If you win it, comes in gold 
comes in a minute Where's the real stuff in life To cling to Love is the answer Someone to love is the answer Once you found her Build your world around her Someone happy Make just one Someone happy And you Will be happy too